looking for the King of Podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. brand is truly exciting and I'm so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day and special seasonal gift sets. But also let's not forget large orders for party favours by request. 
The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansopery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Hi, this is Peter Anthony, the writer and director for Friday the 13th Roseblood, and you're listening to the Crazy Train Radio. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isle. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. This next guest has been quite busy over the past year or so, as he has been working on financing, editing, directing, writing, you name it, for the upcoming fan film release, Roseblood, which is a Friday the 13th fan film that has been based almost like a sequel, but a continuation of the story of Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. Let's go ahead and welcome director and man of many hats, Mr. Peter Anthony. How you doing, sir? Good. How are you? First of all, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Well, before we jump into Roseblood, because I had a question similar to this, but it actually works out because of news I just read. And yes, we know everything online is true, but what I was just reading has a uh, had a couple different sources was the infamous rights battle for Friday the 13th and Victor Miller, Cunningham. I'm not a lawyer, not going to pretend to be one, but Victor Miller apparently won his appeal. So have you seen this today and what are your thoughts on this whole cluster? Yeah, I did. I'm pretty well versed in it, believe it or not. Uh, Larry Zerner, who played Shelley in part three, is is a trial lawyer for for movies for that exact thing. And he's friends with a bunch of us, including Riley from Slashing Cast. So he always posts his updates. So we kind of had more insight than I mean, not everyone, but the average fan, let's say. Um, but Victor. So what happened today was or yesterday, whatever it was, Victor Miller, uh, Sean Cunningham lost his appeal because Victor Miller won the original case. Sean Cunningham appealed it and now lost it. But two problems. One, he can now go to a superior court. There's one more court to go to. So I'm pretty sure. I mean, you talk about like every time a Jason sold or every time a Jason's played, he gets money, hundreds of millions, if not billion dollars. I'm pretty sure he's going to go to superior court. Why wouldn't he? So that that's what sucks. A. B, Victor Miller won the rights to his script. So his script has the camp Friday the 13th the mother and a baby Jason. It does not have adult Jason. So Cunningham would still own that from two on. So it would be very difficult to make a movie. They'd have to come together again. And obviously he'd be pretty pissed and would want a lot of money. So I don't think it's that great, unfortunately, because I want it to be. Yes. And that's what I was reading in the two articles that I did read from legitimate sources. Being that there's 
just because there was a decision made, there would still have to be deals made moving forward if things stopped right now. But like you said, there's another level of court. So we'll see how that plays out. Well, that kind of leads to my next question that I hinted at earlier. And as far as, and I'm not well versed in fan films. I know it's become a thing in recent years. I know you were involved in another one called Vengeance. Correct. I'm in it. Yes. But I know you had a couple different hats in the project. Correct. So I'd be curious to know, and like I said, I'm not a lawyer and I do know Larry Zerner, but not as well as you, but seeing some of those posts and everything. So how does one get around, I don't know, potential legal issues when you're using an established character such as Jason? Or I know when the titles are said, it's Friday the 13th fan films, that whole bit. But how are we not getting copyright infringing? Thank you. Yeah, uh, it's okay. So there was a movie, uh, a Star Wars movie that was a fan film that was tried to be made, I don't know, five years ago or something. And they raised $3.2 million. And they actually got some of the original cast. And what happened was uh, the studio jumped in and said, no, 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 that ain't going to happen. And they put these rules and parameters in. So if you want to make a fan film, you can only raise $50,000 per 15 minutes of the film. Uh, which, you know, no one's going to come close to that for a full length. Um, You have to release the movie on a social media platform like Venmo or Vimeo, sorry, or YouTube or both. Um, And any profits that you have has to be shown and given to a charity. So most people don't make profits. So uh, Vengeance One, we gave $27,000 to the Shriners Children's Hospital and they sent us a video um, it's a long story with me, but I had a stepson that was kind of taken from me. So, um, uh, $3,000 went to the Bryson Fiore fund for Roseblood. Um, so that's, I mean, we were in debt anyways. I'm in, I'm in debt for Roseblood over 50 grand of my own past the Indiegogo. So is one of my executive producers. So you really don't ever really make money, but we still wanted to give the charity. So that's the rule. Uh, you can use the likeness if you don't make monetary gains and you release it free on a social media platform. So like basically if you released it free on YouTube, why would anybody buy the DVD after that? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Now, Roseblood, how long you mentioned time there as far as 50,000 and the breakdown of that rule, how long do you plan Rosebud to be with the final edit? We're at a minute, a minute, an hour 32 right now. I was going to say that's a hell of an accomplishment trying to crush a big story into a minute yeah it would have been so i'm happy man because uh, i you know nothing against any other fan film or anything but i feel like the fans want a real movie so like because we haven't got one in so long so if if it was shorter i feel like we'd be robbing them a little bit Uh, and trust me this movie was probably an hour 50 um but i've never edited before once you start going through the edit process this scene doesn't work that doesn't work and this little quarter second half second three seconds here five seconds here it takes a lot off you know so right now it's it's called pacing right so i didn't even know about pacing so i was watching the film and i'm like it's horrible you know and then um i called it the editor because the editor is the one physically doing it but together we're collaborating because i don't have the software and uh 
I'm like, this is terrible. This movie sucks. What are we doing? I was like so mad. And he's like, dude, Martin Scorsese says, if you if you like your first cut, something's wrong with you. They call it the puke cut. So after we cut it three, four, now it's the fifth time. Now I love the movie. Um, and we got it down to about an hour and 32 minutes. And that's without even credits. So it really is like an hour and a half long movie. So I'm, I'm happy that we can give that to the fans. Now, we talked to Laura last Sunday as far as because uh, we've known her for years and everything. And she Sweetheart. wanted to talk. Yeah. Great woman. Everything else. But she wanted to talk about Roseblood and she got three total projects coming out within the next, say, six, eight months, whatever it is, including mm-hmm. Roseblood. So she said during our first interview way back in 2013, and she actually confirmed it last week when we talked to her, but she said what you did with Roseblood story-wise fit close to the idea she had many years ago that would have been a direct sequel. Correct. She, I don't know how deep she got with you, but when I originally tried to get her for the movie, um, I didn't even have her part written out. And then when I contacted her, I'm like, well, let me, she's like, well, what is it? I'm like, well, a cameo. And I'm such an idiot. I didn't really figure it out. So then I went back and wrote it in and then she wanted to see the whole script. So she said, I mean, it's amazing for, so, so that's a shadow box back there, right? I so got every sh- seven. Yeah. I have every single shadow box of every single movie ever with all Jason items. It's, it's the machete. It's a VHS at 11 by 17, the figure you see, and there's a plaque and every guy signed it, every Jason. So they're all over my house. Um, the only one that has anybody but a Jason in it is that seven on the top has me and her and Kane in Chicago. Oh, nice. I see the picture right there. So and that's part four there and part six over there. <laughs> um, so I, so I broke the rule for her and I told her, like, I broke the rule for you because you were like my crush when I was young, you know? So anyways, we talked about the script. She said in the 30 years, I don't know if she said this to make me feel good, but I'm going to, I'm going to take it. She said in the 30 years after that, it was the best script for a continuation of seven she ever had seen. So she said, yes. I'm like, what? So imagine like how joyous I am when she says that, you know, and then it led to, to Terry and then, um, to Nick, to Kevin Spiritus. And I, we had that hidden for a long time. I thought it was going to leak out because we shot him with a closed set. We kind of snuck him in and snuck him out. But I thought it was going to leak out, but it didn't before the trailer number two. Well, I'll put it this way, because you said she gave you a huge compliment. And okay. I, I don't know how long you've known her, but I can say that if she told you that, it's probably 100% true because she is no bones, straight shooter. Great, greatest lady in the planet that I, I could say I can call a friend, yeah. but she, if she complimented the script that you had and have, hundred percent, I would believe anything she said because yeah, she's, she's a just no, no BS kind of person. Exactly. So I would take her word as gospel. Thanks. Yeah. And then the other day I showed her the ending and because we reshot the ending and I showed her like four or five more scenes. So if you saw the page, I said Lar likes you know, what I showed her. So I sent her a couple of clips and she was like, Peter, she called me on the phone. I was watching football with my dad. And she's like, I absolutely love this. This is awesome. I love what you've done. And I'm just like, are you kidding? And she's like, no. And I'm just like, like a little boy, you know? So uh, that, I'm just, I'm just so happy I can make her happy, you know? Yeah. 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 So, and I don't know if you can say this because you mentioned Terry Cruz and Kevin, but in Terry my Kaiser. head, yeah, excuse me, t- Terry I Kaiser. always do it. I always do that too. I'm thinking, you know, 
Yeah, this this muscle guy. guy. Yes, guy similar build to you, the yeah. action star. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, but uh, Terry Kaiser in my head, and Seven is one of my favorites in the series. Me too. But wasn't he killed in the <laughs> in the film? So I'm trying to. He was without, now without without getting too deep. Did you watch trailer number two? Yes, I did. Do you remember how it opens up? Are we talking a part where he's kind of like? It's a black screen and he talks first. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I'm thinking of the one part in the trailers where he's over and kind of like. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll let you know because it's in the trailer, so I'm not giving it away. But I okay. mean, in this context, we might be giving it away. But it starts off with a black screen and it says, "I only exist because of you," and then it fades into to them. So that is kind of a big hint, and I'll just leave it there. Yeah, because as you say that, and reminded me of that line. Yeah, there's a couple of things that popped in my head, but I don't want to give any potential spoilers. Mind you, I haven't seen it, but just three or four things popped into my head as he said that. Yeah, and the thing is, it's going to make a lot of sense when you watch the movie. It's not going to be some corny thing we came up with. It's going to make a lot of sense once you see the movie. Oh, okay, I got it now. You know what I'm saying? Well. Hopefully, I'm not spoiling anything. I'll say this. I mean, you can give your opinion. I just want to answer. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. If it's hitting the nail on the head, almost a sixth sense feel to it. Don't worry. Their video is not going to be seen, but <laughs> we'll we'll leave it. We'll leave that there. That's just my thoughts. Very, very warm. All right. We'll leave that there. I don't want to spoil yeah. nothing. Now, obviously, we were talking before because I was... Hoping to take a peek, but totally understand why we couldn't do that. So when is the official release date? We don't have the movie done. Uh, the movie will be done. Uh, we premiere the 28th of November at our premiere in Connecticut. Where are you out of? I'm in South Jersey, Philadelphia area. Come on down, dude. Yeah. We, um, we'll talk and we, we'll make it happen. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we release it. So I want to I want to reward the people coming to the premiere, you know, so so we have the premiere the 28th, but I won't release it the next day till Monday, November 29th till 8 p.m. So that the next day all the fans will see it. But at least I'm rewarding the people who came out to support us, you know. Yeah, no. And that's what you were saying when we were talking about it, which is awesome. And that was that part of the Indiegogo of what you were doing, trying to raise the funds. For that, no, it's actually illegal to raise funds on Indiegogo for another project than the project itself. Some people do it, but it's illegal. So, like, you can't like raffle or give away premiere tickets if you're running an Indiegogo for a movie. So, I, I didn't do that. No, I uh, but I did the Indiegogo, and now you'll see a lot more in the next coming weeks. Me promoting the premiere a lot. We have some stars that are going to be there too, and we're going to have vendors, and it's going to be awesome, man. We're going to have a panel. With everybody on it, each star is going to get their own table. And I told all the stars they can bring their own stuff. So Laura can bring stuff from House 2 or whatever she wants. Same thing with Terry Kaiser Weekend at Bernie's. You can get anything signed by these people. I don't want to um, control their their ability to make money. I want the fans to enjoy them for who they are. And our, our stars will be there from the movie. There'll be a photo booth with all the outfits. I have my general's outfit, Rose's outfit. You could put on the outfits, take pictures, professional pictures. Uh, we have wedding style food. Uh, like I said, the panel and then the movie uh, on high def. So it's like a premiere and convention all like rolled in one. That's what I was going to say. It sounds like you were setting up part convention as well. Yeah. So I hope I'm not spoiling anything, but it seems like it with the, what I've seen trailer wise and such. 
And I've heard some other conversations you had with the cast and production crew. There's videos on YouTube. I can put the links out for that as well. Because I referenced at least one of them during a conversation with Laura. But there's two timelines going on within the story. So how hard was that trying as somebody who has it written and directed and some of this is like you said you don't have the editing tools but some of this process is new to you so how was that writing two different timelines within the story tough because and i'll explain why the tough so how do you you know laura and them we weren't going to have for the entire movie so it's it's got to play in two different timelines and, and how much how much can you tell in a certain amount of time do you want to show it all in the beginning do you want to cap it again at the end do you want to just show it at the end how do you want to do that so that that was kind of tougher but it worked out okay um the hardest part man is how do you write tina and how do you write dr cruz the same way they were in seven but 30 years later staying within the character parameters right and then taking that script think about this and giving it to them and telling them how to act as their own characters it that was to me it's like man i better write this like perfect or like it's not going to work because how can i tell tina to be more tina when she knows better than me you know so that was to me the hardest part to keep them okay does tina open her eyes a lot in seven yes at certain points when she's doing things you know does she not dr cruz does does he ever lean in does he walk around the room a lot he does walk around the room a lot i need to put that in when he's walking with her you know what i'm saying these mannerisms and these things i'm trying to keep the same as best as i can so that you have that feel that it's still them to me that was the hardest part now with that as you say that and that's totally true how can you tell the person who gave life to those characters right uh how to do that especially when you have the fortunate hindsight of having 30 years to think about where would i have taken like like i said earlier with the conversation with laura i knew eight years ago that she had an idea of her own so you know with the benefit of time as from one of your best known projects or characters it's it was stewing in their heads going how would I have continued if we continued this story? Right. So with that, with the keeping the mannerisms and everything, and I know I'm taking a deep dive here, but would you, would you be going back and watching, say, part seven and taking notes? Well, all right, Dr. Cruz kind of did this, this, that. Tina would do X, Y, Z, like you said, the eyes to this, but you know, the little nuances. Man, uh, if you know me, uh, I am like a perfectionist beyond the word perfectionist. I must have watched that film a thousand times, literally, like like from the beginning. I must have watched it 50 times when I was writing it. And literally every single night I went to sleep and watched it and wrote on it, uh, including items. So you're going to see a whole bunch of Easter eggs in this movie from the original seven. Um, you're going to go, oh. I know that I know that. So all those, I, and I went out and found these items, some of these items, like it was almost impossible to find them. I'll give you a hint. Dr. Uh, Cruz's shirt is the exact shirt he had on in one of the scenes, the pen in his pocket, it's called the world globe, something pen. I found it, not the exact one from the movie, but the same style. Um, and when you see Dr. Cruz in the room with Tina, I won't give it away, but if you look at the desk and the wall, there's things going on. 
So uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I took down details of every single thing I could go back and watch trailer two and look at Lars chest when she has the black shirt on where she is. And uh, the one thing that really stood out and I'm going based off the other conversations and stuff. I said, I had uh, heard for research for not only you, but with Laura and all with this project, the one Easter egg that you bring that up since you brought that up, I should say is the notebook. Yes. And, the first one to say it. Yeah. And, and you found that by chance, even though you were looking high and low for that. How do you know that? I listen once in a while. Dude, you're good. So you were, you're the first person to bring that up. Uh, that green notebook is so hard to find because it's like, how do you, okay, green notebook. Like what? I try to put green notebook in. It's so different of a notebook. It was so hard to get. So I, I kept trying and trying and trying and I couldn't find it. And then as funny thing is I was trying to find the Duke's book because the Duke I have is like this old school yellow page, like Indian kind of book. Um, and I was looking for that book and I saw the green one with the brown trim and everything exactly from seven when they open the drawer and they find the gun with the book with the paperclip stuff. I found that notebook. You know, you want to know it's funny. You're the first to know this too. I have the original notebook I gave to a kid um, with autism. Um, the Amos FX drove it to their house and gave it to a fan of ours with autism. So the, the, the one that was used in the film I actually gave away. The second one I had as a backup, I have back here. I had every single cast and crew write to me in the book. So now I have that book with everyone's memories in it forever to me as possession. Absolutely. Now you mentioned the character Duke and two things I want to bring up and I'm going to go ahead and reference previous uh, conversations I had seen. Would that be part of the Easter eggs that I had heard about with referencing a couple of the other films of the franchise say jason goes to hell and x and whatnot yes yeah a bunch of them are through the duke or around the duke or the duke has them correct yep and the reason the duke stands out as well is because in a conversation i actually watched last night thinking we were going to chat last night was that and i don't know if i could say this cut me off if i'm wrong but the music, you had Harry Anafini involved. Yes. So so, so when um, I showed Harry the movie, we had to put a timestamp on it for Harry. And he said, it's funny because he didn't even know the movie. He said, I think the Duke is Indian, Amer like American Indian. And I said, a Native American Indian. Um, and I said, he is. And he goes, I go, I always thought that. When I watched part nine, he always seemed somewhat Indian to me, especially with that bolo. It's called a bolo, that thing in the middle with the two strings coming out. So in the movie, his name is Dr. Creighton Duke Tuk, T-U-K, like an Indian uh, heritage. So, and he didn't know that. And he said, I feel like he's Indian. So he goes, when he comes on screen, I'm going to make my own little Indian mix of like horror and Indian music with him when he comes on screen. I'm like, awesome. Yeah, cool. That'll work. So as far as that is concerned, music-wise, is it all an original soundtrack or can he reference stuff he did for the other movies in the actual franchise? He can reference any of them, including seven. He's the one that made Ch -ch -ch and he did seven. So him and a gentleman from Canada did seven. So he can use all that. And I really want him to use all that. But during our conversations, because we did temp music, 
So we took music from seven and put it in in places and you give them tent music, meaning like, where do you want it to rise and fall? And uh, I think he's going to use some of it, but I really think he's kind of writing his own for this film, which is like excitable and nervous at the same time, you know? So we sh- we'll see it in like um, a week or two. I'm going to get a sample of like a parts of the movie with it. Nice. And I guess uh, this was the first time directing for you, correct? Correct. So I mentioned it earlier, not having a background. And you've, like I said, Peter has participated in other films and other things within the both the indie film scene and just the business in general. So what made you say, okay, I'm going to direct this? Um, you might have, in the history, you might have saw the story. Uh, sometimes I talk about it. Um, we were going to do Vengeance 2, and they said they were going to take like a week break in between the first week of shooting to the second week. And I said, well, I was like, I don't know. I called Riley Lorden, who's from Slash and Cast. He's actually our AD on this film. He'd done Fall Camp Blood. He's the director. And I said, what if we do like a 20-minute short, like part seven? You know, because I always love seven. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So then I like started to do diagrams and I, I built this like 3D model in my in my um, garage of characters and what they would look like when they come in the room and shot pictures of it. And then started writing the script and I would send him the script and, you know, because I wanted him to direct it. And then, I don't know, a couple of weeks in, he's like, why don't you direct it? And I was like, I don't know how to direct. I, like, I don't even know how to turn on the camera, you know? And he's like, you don't have to. He's like, all you got to do direct is direct people. Get people, put the people you trust in the right places and express your vision and it'll work. So give all the credit to him because I was like, really? And then I started to do it and it just, it just worked out. And like I said, it doesn't, it's not even me, uh, kudos to me being a good director. It's really just the talented people around me from um, Cody Newton to Riley, to Jason Brooks, to Sean, like all these guys are like A pluses at what they do. So it was, it was easier for sure. Now, and I, don't mean to make it sound like you're deflecting there, but and rightfully so, you give credit to all the talent around you for this project. But with that being said, would they come to you and say, "Hey, how about this? How about that? What about this?" And you know, you can go so many different directions with that. However, you had a particular vision that you wanted to go with. So, was there? How was that communication there? It's funny because because I'm such a um, black and white, my way or the highway kind of person always been because I feel like I'm going to do it the right, the right way. So it's not like I just wing something, you know, I'll really think about it. And then here when I make a final decision, that's the final decision. So that's kind of how I went in when I wrote the script and nobody everyone seemed to like it, at least tell me it. So when when we were there, though, if you go to film, a lot of things happen that you never thought of. So, and you have to change, oh, I wanted to shoot it this way. We can't, we got to do this or we can't hit this angle or this isn't working or, you know, we, the outfit broke or whatever. So we had to change it. And I think if you interview them, uh, they'll tell you that I did a good job of listening because there were so many different ways, including the final scene, the biggest scene of the whole movie, uh, Cody Newton and Sean and, and Jason had a lot of insight and we changed that big time so i honestly think i probably listened to 90 percent of what people said and only maybe once or twice said no it's got to be this way and i explained the reason you know because we're trying to develop this or that it wasn't like because i said so you know so i think that was the biggest part of the learning process was to take the criticism and you're on set people are watching you you know and and then say you know what they're right and then work it into the script two minds are better than one five is better than three 
so on and so forth, especially for people who have been doing it a lot longer than me, I would be a fool not to listen. And would that include the one thing that Kevin said in the group chat about his suggestion with the coat? No, I, we just ran out of time and forgot about that, honestly, to tell you the truth. So yeah, he he you you heard how he wanted to put that coat rip back in from seven. It it honestly didn't fit per se um, with what we were doing, but we could have added it in. But now with the new ending, it wouldn't have fit at all because Jason's not near him, like you know, physically. Yeah, but and I've heard, and I understand why knowing the guy, but I heard you approach Kane Hodder to possibly be involved. Yeah, he's he's a decent friend of mine and uh great dude, by the way. You know, oh this guy's a hero, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh that's why I think I did part seven, you know, with the, the mask and stuff. So uh he won't do any fan film. Uh he won't do he'll do fan films or indie films, but he won't do a fan film with Jason. You know what I'm saying? I, he yeah. tells you that, and he won't do a film that's non-sag because he's screen actors guild union. So so it's difficult to get it. I mean, dude, I made videos like telling him, please, this is what we got for you. This is what we're going to do, so on and so forth. But I get it. He's part of the Screen Actors Guild. And if he goes and does a film out of Union, he kind of breaks his code. They can remove his his thing, and then he's no longer the Jason. And so I, I kind of get it. Yeah, and it's great guy to have a drink with, though, isn't he? You know, the, yeah. the stories yeah. that guy's got. We, we were in Monster Mania in, man, 2018. 19 uh it gotta be 18 and uh we were drinking uh fans were buying him uh we were at a table i just went to savini jason for a costume contest and he called pd get over here so we sat down we were drinking and fans were getting him uh tequila dude they were like you know out of this glass they were like that much tequila and um he was like i can't do it finish it with me so i drank it with him and finish it and then he goes hey what's your email and i'm like so-and-so and he's like here check it out and he gave me the code to um uh, what was this documentary to hell and back yes he gave me the vimeo code to watch it literally a year or so before it came out so and i watched it and i was like man this is so awesome how and then good I told, was that though dude like you learned the things about him being bullied and eating the puke and all that stuff i love when he went back with his doctor and his doctor touched his neck how many people can get away with touching his neck like that you Nobody know? I can think of. Right, right. So I, I was, I, I love that documentary. It just made me feel better about, it, it, it coincides with him. Yeah, you see a little portion of him at the cons, but that kind of just makes, if you ever hang out with him, oh, it makes a lot absolutely. of sense. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I can tell this story publicly uh, as far as Kane. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'll get a text about this, it, but it's cool. It, yeah. But I've told this story publicly. And you know ra right yeah 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 so, we, i drank with them in arizona at the, oh. at the con we were in the pool oh, yeah. that's a, <laughs> we won't yeah. get into those stories with ra yeah, yeah. But, uh, i we both like our beer and our yingling and whiskey but that's a whole nother but anyway we were taping with ra mahalov and we're sitting there you know shooting the shit and we're talking about hatchet too since we're talking cave i know we're going off track here but screw it and he was telling me the story, which I didn't know from Kane, about how Kane tore his bicep right. in the movie. Mm-hmm. It, I think it was during the fight scene and all that with R.A. And, you know, so R.A.'s telling me the story during the interview. And I said, because you, you have an athletic background and enough knowledge of the body to know I'm speaking the truth on this. I, I tore both biceps. 
Okay. So, okay. So you even have personal experience yep. with this and will understand what I'm saying with this, yep. but that's one of those weird injuries that sometimes can heal or you don't necessarily hundred percent need surgery on. You don't need surgery, but it'll forever be deformed if you don't get yeah, it. Yeah. You have that. Yeah. Um, that roll up. Yeah. 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 So, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. So we're sitting there debating. I said, Hey, do you know if Kane ever got it fixed? He's like, honestly, I don't know. Going back for like five minutes about this for some odd reason. So I text Kane during this conversation. I said, Hey, told him, fill him in on the situation. He goes, Well, what's this tell you? He sends a text back. He goes, What's this tell you? Two seconds later, picture pulls up with his arm like this from like in the makeup room with this huge ass bruise from like elbow to, <laughs> yeah, it's like, he goes, What do you think this means? Right. That's the answer right there. I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, uh, he made fun of me. There's a video. I'll send it to you. So I tore my my uh, see this scar right here. Yeah. So I tore my left bicep. Uh, I rolled it up. So this is what I used to be a bodybuilder. So it was like my arms were pretty big then. So it rolled up on me, and I went to my mom's house to eat, and it was in my. I went like this. It was in my armpit. It was funny. This one in fall of camp blood. They had to cut through my whole chest. And put my cut my chest off and put all the holes back in my arm and put it back together. So I tore three rotator cuffs off and the bicep rolled down on that one. And the funny thing is, I was supposed to go to a convention to Monster Mania and I had this surgery. I was in the thing eight weeks. If you look at the Vengeance premiere, I'm, I'm in the the sling. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he, this I don't know if we can swear on here, but he go, called go me the Pete. Oh uh, yeah. So he's like, uh, he sends me one of my friends is there and he goes, he goes, you friends with Pete. He calls me Petey and he goes, I goes, yeah, you'll send him this shit. You know, they video him and he's like, you big pussy, you're milking it. <laughs> so It's on Facebook. I'll tag you on it. It's just one of those things kind of like you said in the beginning where it, him making fun of you is, is like a cool thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, who was that? Kane making fun of you? Or? He was making fun of you because uh, Steve Knapp was next to him. You know, oh, Steve? yes. Yeah. So, and Steve, I was right there when Kane hit Steve with the machete. You're familiar with the story? I was right there. So, Oh, and and dude, Steve later that night went to the hospital, got stitches, right? Came back. We were drinking in the bar there in Monster Mania. Dude, ask Steve if you ever see him. He won't send it to you, but he'll show it to you on your phone. It was like Terminator, man. He he had the he had the video with his fingers, and you could see all the tendons moving inside of his arm before they stitched it. So Steve was there, and he's he's calling me a, a, a pussy too. He's like, Oh, I had this, and you know, I came out, you know, kind of thing like that. So it was funny. They're both busting my balls. Yeah, it's funny because uh yeah. going back and forth with and I'll bring this up too because Laura was making fun of me because we were telling stories about some kids in our families, my nephew, her uh, grandchild. And she goes, My nephew likes to play with my phone. And she goes, You don't have a passcode. You didn't have a passcode on that. The numbers you got on your phone is like mind boggling, you know. And of course, most fans would be like, would recognize some of the names just from nine years of doing this and such, but it was quite fun. I said, yeah, that's all I need. I need a two-year-old texting Kane and saying, yeah, and yeah. just all these different people going, wasn't that is Jonathan on crack? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be getting phone calls. What I'd be having interventions by who's who a horror going. Yeah. You need help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Kane's going to be uh, in Maine or New Hampshire on August 30th and 31st. So I talked to him uh, two days ago uh, on email. August. So I'm... August. I was going to say it's 
into September. October. Yeah. yeah. October 30th and 31st for, um, I think it's in New Hampshire or, or Salem, Mass. I, I forgot, but I'm, I bought tickets. I'm going to go up there and see them. Yeah, exactly. Because I was going to, when you first said that, I was thinking of uh, another buddy, Bill Mosley, yeah. doing something up in Maine, which it's like, really? Yeah. I don't know much about further than Boston, but it's like, really? They're going to have a horror convention in uh, Bangor, Maine? Because right. that's you don't think of Bangor, Maine as being a hot spot for conventions. No, it's way in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. your fandom, and please, I know we've been talking about Roseblood and different odds and ends stories here, but make sure you support Roseblood when it comes out. But I heard during some of these other conversations, you didn't start going to conventions and things like that till like 2013, 2014. 2015 you're a good researcher man hey i try what how long can you describe your fandom because people obviously hurt are hearing the stories as far as oh i did this i did that you know with putting this project together but i'd like to show the because we're all fans of the stuff we are. We are. whether it's horror or comedy and like i'm such a hybrid of stuff but i'd like to show that at the end of the day, we are all fans of this stuff. So I mentioned about getting into the conventions during the teens there. So when did you really take that next step in your fandom? I had, uh, I used to play football and stuff. I had my knee replaced. So um, I was sitting on my porch out here and I looked on my phone and it said uh, Rock and Shock, which is one in Massachusetts. You remember that show? They just actually stopped it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it said Rock and Shock, Kane Hodder's going to be there. And I'm like, what? And I remember me and my brother, when I was little watching the, I, mean, I was watching the films when I was like five, six years old, like making my own little paper mask in my basement, like on HBO or on, on USA Up All Night with Rhonda, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or the drive in. Oh, you got Go ahead. it. I could still hear you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so I was on, on my phone with my leg, and my leg was getting a little better where I could walk a little bit. And uh, well, what do you got? Let me see what you got. You got me excited. Yeah, I was because you mentioned her name. She sent this yeah. after we uh, had a conversation with her. Oh, that's great. Good book if you get a chance to read it. That and it. that in the drive-in theater with uh, what's his name? Billy Bob Thornton, or not? Billy yeah, Bob, yeah. Uh, yeah, not Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, he actually was at Monster Mania in Maryland yeah. this past weekend. Man, if you didn't say Billy he, Bob Thornton, I probably would have got it. He's in he his series is on Shutter. Yeah, yeah. With so the girl, the male girl, Darcy, was in Vengeance. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyways, I'm like, I'm like, well, my leg's getting better. It's next week. I'm like, you know, like I, I never, I, me and my brother always watch the movies, and at the end, you'd see the name Kane Hodder, and it sounded so cool, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I'm like, dude, I'm like, you know what, Pete? I'm like, yeah, kind of down and out, you know. I had my knee replaced. I had some blood clots. I had to go back. It was like a nightmare. So uh, I'm like, I'm just gonna go. I'm going to go by myself, you know? So I had these compression socks on and I, uh, it was, it was like wintery. And, um, I went there and there I am in line with them, dude. And I'm like six people out. And I'm like, it, it like, I never get nervous over meeting people, but then I was sitting there and I'm like, man, I'm kind of nervous right now, you know? And, uh, he saw me and this is back when I was in a better shape. And he's like, everyone look, the rocks in line. And I had a goatee, you know? So uh, I'm like, oh, this is great, you know? Anyways, he sees me. I, I come over, long story short, I'm kind of limping a little because my knee, you know, I just had it replaced. And he asked me about my leg. I told him about everything. And so he signs a figure for me. He gives me, he sells me the book, um, um, 
Diary of a Killer or whatever it was, you have it definitely there from Michael Alassi. I just saw Michael at the Connecticut Horror Fest. Yeah, not that one, but I have our buddy's book here. Unmanaged. I have that one too. Yeah, Unmasked. But it was the one before that. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do know the book you're talking about. When Mike- yeah. Michael's a great guy, great writer. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw him at the Connecticut Horror Fest last week. Um, so uh, he that book, he signs it, and then he signs one of my masks and the, the big 18-inch Part 7 figure. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, how much I owe you? He's like, you don't owe me anything. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, just take care of your leg. Just imagine, dude. Like, here you are going to meet your idol. The guy calls you The Rock, and then all of a sudden he talks to you for like five, ten minutes, and then he signs everything for you. And then later on, I was walking around the convention, and I walked by him again, to, and he's like, come here, man. And he grabbed my arm, and he was talking about this girl, and he was like, see who I'm with? And, dude, it was like out of a dream. And 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 then I seen him again at, man, I forgot where I saw him again, somewhere in New Hampshire or, or Rhode Island, and then I seen him at Monster Mania, and then he started calling me Petey, and then all of a sudden I have his email, and then his cell phone, and then when I go to cons, I sit at his table, and then afterwards, we, sometimes we go eat, and then we go drinking, and now if I want things signed, he, he doesn't accept my checks, and just like, kind of like with you, and just, I'm just like, well, how did I get this lucky, you know? Yeah, it, so, if, you say that, isn't and. <laughs> I would say 95% of the people I've had on in almost 10 years yeah. have, like I said, I referenced Laura as being how much of a friend she's become over the years. But you say that with Kane and buddies with Kane, but not as much. You know what I mean? We, we're right. cordial and all. We get along and all. But isn't it funny when you say that, how we end up, you know what I mean? Like these relationships we wouldn't yeah. expect to have. Right. I, th- I think it's because we, we treat them like normal people and you don't get too fan struck. I'm guessing that they kind of just relax and let their guard down and become a friend. Yeah. And it, you know, yeah. and what you said there about Kane, and I totally seen that just knowing a guy as well as I do. But like I said, I'm not going to sit here and claim I'm his best friend. Yeah. Well, same not, here. But, yeah. yeah. But I had a similar story, and it's not the time or the place to tell with a guy that was an idol and always will be Hogan, the wrestler. Yeah. Hulk. Yeah. Cause One I was, favorite. I was born in 84. So I was always, but I, and I was watching wrestling and horror from the age of three. Yeah. So shows you the kind of uh fucked up life I had, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but he was my guy and, Me too. you know, as a little kid and everything, rightfully so. And I'm, now it's not the time or the place to tell the story, but I had a similar experience with it. some health stuff going on at the time. Somebody connected me to him for the first time. And it's like, it, it just like your mind's like, holy cow, this was a guy I watched as a little kid and yeah, heard about I, I, what was going on. And we're going to go there. We're, we're going to go there for a minute. Cause the guy Strang, who's the MP in our, in our movie, you see him. He's like showtime red. And he grabs him. He's a good friend of mine from Connecticut. He is a humongous Hogan fan. He has every belt ever. He even argued with Hogan down in Tampa about how to sign NWO because Hogan went to do it with the spray paint and he held it up and he said, capital N. He goes, lowercase N. And, and Hogan goes, no, it's capital N. He goes, no, the first time you did it was blank, 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 this time, lowercase N on this belt. And Hogan goes, bullshit. And he pulls it up online and shows it to him. So then he went to an event that night where Hogan was in the ring. Hogan, in front of like 20,000 people, calls him out on the mic 
and says, I met my boy, so-and-so says his name, John Strang, nah, 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 nah. how amazing is that? I'll go further for you. I worked for uh, JS Enterprises, which was a bodybuilding supplement distribution center in St. Pete. I worked out with Terry Bolia, Hulk Hogan, because my owner set it up. And I arm wrestled Macho Man when he was almost 50 in his 40s, and he, he beat me arm wrestling. This is He used to come in his 12-cylinder diesel black car, and he used to get uh, um, these protein drinks all the time. That's when he was dating, um, what was the blonde-haired girl? Gorgeous George. Gorgeous George. And she used to come in with him and stuff like that all the time. Because um, right, that area is a hot spot for wrestlers, right, where I was, yeah. St. Pete. So, yeah, so that, I have pictures of it. So uh, that was the same thing with me. I was like, hold it. dude, Macho Man, that's one of his fingers. Like, he has the, the thickest oh, fingers was, and neck. Was, like, oh, yeah. 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 And Hogan, Hogan, Hogan was, was good. It was good. Well, for he, wasn't, he wasn't six, seven anymore. But yeah. But the room I'm in, and you can, I don't know if you could see because of the glare, this was All done right. from Terry, the original Sports Illustrated that he was on I, in 84. Okay. I can't see it with the glare, but I know you're yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, it's that, you know, the Met, when things were starting to get uh, steamed roll there. Yeah. But since we're going that direction with our collections and different things, and obviously the books I was pulling off here, it's such a weird collection because of a, I was a history major, but then I have my some of my fandom stuff, yeah, you know, of musicians and all signed autobiographies. Like I go got everything from the Kane Hodder and Rob Zombie signed books from the horror wow. side to jimmy carter and hillary clinton oh wow on a, so it's like it's um it's like it's such a dichotomy but i did hear you talk about your collection of horror memorabilia you mentioned about the different display cases of from each of the friday movies so i had heard you stuck with just staying within the horror field as far as your collection why is that uh, not only just the horror field, staying with only Jason Friday Thirteenth, because I, I I spend too much money, and if I start getting all kinds of pops and all kinds of stuff, it's going to get literally out of control. So I make uh, like a thing: hey, I'm going to make these really classy, you know, uh, shadow boxes that no one else has that light up inside that I hand do, and and yada yada yada. So that took forever. I have, you know, the uh, original NES game. Mm-hmm. So I have that sealed and graded, and then every Jason signed it. Then uh, PlayStation 4 game, um, Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. that game, I have that game because Jason's in it, sealed, signed, graded with every Jason sign it, except for Brooker. And then I have the Friday 13th game, sealed, graded, and signed by every Jason except Richard Brooker. And that those are going to go in those boxes. Then I have that machete signed by every Jason, the mask signed by every Jason. I just got the Zaxxon right there from part four. Okay. Yeah, I have 65 masks. So this guy from England is sending me these stands. So eventually, like, I'm going to replace them all, and I'm going to have all 65 out, all of them signed. All the variants, like um, Part 8, there's the regular mask, there's the toxic mask, there's the I Love New York mask, there's a variant I Love New York mask with a red and blue are changed. Like, I get nuts about it. So I couldn't get that nuts about everything because, you know, it would just go broke. So I said, I need to just concentrate on, like, Friday 13th and do it that way. I do have the Phantasm Ball signed by everybody i've got michael myers some stuff signed but yeah mostly for well when it comes to the memorabilia and shit i think i need to go to rehab because i do do have a problem i have yeah. sports i have books yeah it, like you talked about the making the custom frames on this side of the room over here can't say it, but i'll send you the pictures i have a uh signed 
one of 10 flags, pin flags, if you're familiar with golf. Yeah. From when Tiger Woods tied the record of 82 championships. Wow. And, and there was only 10 of them made by the PGA and given the Tiger, and he kept five of them. So I have one of five in the public. Wow. So, so it's like, you know, I'm, like I said, I got a problem. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got, I've gotten uh so you want one that's really cool? Okay. My buddy, Billy Lee, um, where he lives like an hour away was where Evil Dead was filmed. So that shack is gone, but the chimney was still there. So in an interview um, with someone, uh, oh my God, who's the director? Did Spider-Man everything? Evil Tom Dead. Holland? No, 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 no. Evil Dead. Um, um, I forgot. I'll, I'll Google it. And by the yeah. way, as I, as I say that, I'd like to make a correction so I don't get strung by the balls. I was thinking of Joe Bob Briggs earlier. Joe Bob Briggs. Yes. Yeah. So anyways, the Evil Dead director was on like a radio show. I think Ash might have been on it too. And uh, the guy played it for me and he said, well, he goes, you know, have you ever been back to the shack or anything? And he's like, no. He's like, but we buried something special there. And and he's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, in a, in a cigar box, um, right where the chimney would have been, Underneath about, you know, six couple feet, um, we put a cigar box with original clippings from the movie and some other stuff there. If anyone ever found it, no one's this dude went there on private property after he heard the radio show and dug it up and found it. Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. And he sent me a, the brick from the actual chimney. I have it over there. This guy's a great fan. And he has that cigar box that they talked about in the radio show. Amazing. I love shit like that. Oh, I know. That's yeah. awesome. And yeah. speaking of your masks, and I want to be able to tie this in with rope blood or rose blood as we wrap here, because we mm -hmm. can sit here and talk for hours. Yeah. But uh, especially getting to talk to you, I know we just started talking online, but this is going to be, I think, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. I get a good vibe with you. But Thank you. you're talking about 65 masks that you have. And yep. I don't know you can if you can say this. Because we want fans to see Rosebud, obviously, when it comes out. But if I remember correctly, the mask had broke in part seven. So how did we come up with... Oh, he's digging now. Peter is digging. His turn to go digging. <laughs> so this, I got... 50 of them sitting here with 50 machetes signed by Brooks and everybody ready to go out to fans and stuff. So seven, my favorite one ever. Um, at the end of seven, um, the, Tina breaks his mask, obviously, then the house blows up. And then at the end, a fireman actually sees it. That fireman is John Carl Beekler, the director and the special effects artist, most people don't know. And he takes the mask and he, and he puts it back together and, or, you know, holds it back together. And, and then they put Tina and, and Nick um, in the car the back of the ambulance and they take off. And I was like, so the mask is around, you know, like it would be evidence. The cops would have it, whoever intervenes. And in my story, the military intervenes. So they would take everything. You know, they took Dr. Cruz's notes. That's how they know about Tina, get it? So on and so forth. So in, in we, we show it in the movie. We, we say what happens in the movie. If you look at the trailer, she looks at the mask and goes, you fixed it? Why? And she turns and then the girl's being choked like a force choke. So they do elaborate in that scene. Cause I, I, you know, when I came out with the first trailer, everyone's like hundred questions, Dr. Cruz, 
the mask, everything. And I answer all those questions in the movie because I kind of knew people would be asking. But yeah, this, this and this mask, dude, this is not a reg. This is a fiberglass mask. So that thing is so thick, you can't move it and bend it if you wanted to. So it really is split and put back. So my fingernail runs inside that line. See that? Yeah. Yeah, right there, in there. So that, that's how I wanted it. I think, dude, that, that mask, it doesn't get any sicker than this mask. And now that it has a crack in it, I feel like it's even better, right? If that's even possible. Well, and I hope you don't mind this, and I'll reference this sure. as we wrap here. I mentioned before we started taping, that we're going to be doing a Friday the 13th Jeopardy coming up, taping it next week. And we have friends of the show, Camp Blood Customs, who do masks and such. And for a prize, they are actually making a combination of kind of what you're doing, but also reference to Part 7's mask to give away as one of our prizes because... They wanted. They heard the conversation with Lar, but heard about Rosebud because they are diehard fans. Obviously, Camp Blood Customs, right? But they want to show respect both to Rosebud and Part Seven, so they are customizing a mask just to use as a prize. So, so, sim- cool. so similar. I'm assuming just the cracked seven, right? Basically, yeah, they're going. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but yeah. they have heard some of your other stuff as well that I've re- referenced earlier. So, okay. They want to show respect to both films because yeah. they're looking forward to Roseblood coming out yeah. and, like I said, part seven. So to put a bow on this, Roseblood, obviously, we hope there's a group on Facebook. We'll put a link to that as well when these when this conversation's public, but so you can get all the updates. But where can people see and get all the latest updates from Peter Anthony and just everything going on with this project. Uh, so there's the Roseblood uh, page on Facebook. There's a Roseblood uh, page. Uh, I think it's F13 Roseblood on, in, on Indiegogo. I'm sorry, Instagram. Um, you can go to the Indiegogo page and check it out. There's tons of awesome stuff about the actors on the Indiegogo page. You can go to IMDB, Friday 13th Roseblood. You can go to uh, Twitter. You can go to um, Slasher, which is another app uh, on there, and you can go to TikTok. We're on TikTok too, so we're we're everywhere. But you mentioned this earlier, and I will be talking to you privately about hopefully being able to come up for the world premiere. But are there still spots available for that? And how does yeah. that work? And if people wish to try to travel up, yeah. So the world premiere will be in Guilford, Connecticut. Uh, that'll be on Sunday, November twenty eighth. It'll be like a premiere slash convention event from 12 noon till 8 p.m. It's basically a convention from 12 till about 5.30, and there includes food. And then from 5.30 to 6.30 is the panel. Um, and then after the panel is the movie. So, um, and then a little wrap up after, you know, afterward, me talking to the fans and thanking everyone and so on and so forth. So in Connecticut, you can go to um, Eventbrite. If you go to Eventbrite that sells tickets, you put in Roseblood, Friday 13th Roseblood, and you'll find the premiere. And all that premiere information is also uh, on those sites. And hopefully I'll give you the link and you can post it under here. That'd be great too. Absolutely. But final question with that event, and can I bring booze? Yeah. I mean, there's alcohol there, but you can bring booze. I don't care. Uh, oh, I won't. Sorry for liquor licenses. I'm not bringing booze. It's, you know, 
yeah there might be something for peter and a few of us but like i said we're not going to jeopardize anybody's license i like the way you think man bro people are gonna have bags and everything no one's gonna know i I could tell you stories about with tyler main but that's a whole nother thing (laughs) break my stones on that but folks make sure you check out all these links for rosebud Petey, thank you so much thanks man appreciate it Hey, I know we have a lot of horror fans that listen to our shows, and I know things have been tough for everybody across the board these past six or seven months with what's been going on in the real world, but I wanted to make a suggestion to you horror fans, because I know part of the normal routine year in and year out is to attend different conventions to meet some of your favorite horror stars. However, none of us have been able to do that because of obvious reasons. But I do have a little suggestion for you. SignatureHorror.com Now, some may ask, what is that? Well, they obtain autographs for the fans from some of their favorite stars, from some of their favorite franchises. Whether it be the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and many more. They have different options such as, besides getting their autographs, you can do live Zoom calls with your favorite stars. You can do personalized videos for people, greetings of some sort. They just have many options. So if you're looking for to spend some money that you may have spent at conventions, check them out and see the options they have signaturedhorror.com that's right signaturehorror.com hey this is Kane Hodder you are listening to Crazy Train Radio keep listening or else